I want to preach a sermon this morning on the book of Mark chapter 9. So if you're there, would you go to Mark chapter number 9? And I want you to see Mark chapter 9, verse number 14. And we're going to look at a few scriptures. This morning I want to preach on the thought, what do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? Can you say that with me this morning? What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? All right? Mark chapter number 9 and verse number 14. Mark chapter 9 verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, the people were greatly amazed. In running to him, they greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought my son who, was, who had a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you, and how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and fell, he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this, son, has this been happening to him? And he said to him, From childhood. And often he has thrown himself both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you could do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running Together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, The deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly. It came out of him, and he became like a dead man. So many said to him, Many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he came into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And so he said to them, this kind cannot come out, nothing but by through prayer and fasting. Just for a few moments, I want to look at the thought, what do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather uh, in your name today. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts, that we would hear your word and that everything that is said and everything that is done, Lord, would bring you the glory, and we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone shouted a great big amen. What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? Somebody once said that life is like a carousel. Sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down, and sometimes you go round and round. And I believe that that is so true. Life has its ups, life has its downs, but sometimes in life you feel like you're just going round and round. 
how many would agree with the preacher this morning that sometimes it seems like that in life you're making no progress. In life, it seems like there's more heartache than there are joy. Sometimes in life, it seems like there are more disappointments than there are appointments. Sometimes in life, it feels like things are so shattered that you don't even have enough energy to bend over to pick up the broken pieces. And you hear people tell you, just keep pressing. You hear people tell you to keep moving. You you hear people tell you, keep praying. You hear people say, keep believing. Keep believing the word of God. And it seems like things get worse. We believe the scriptures, and yet it seems like it gets worse. We, we pray for healing, and yet people still die. We, 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 we believe that the scriptures are powerful, but yet it seems like we are more exhausted and more weak and depleted than we've ever been in our life. And listen, my friends, sometimes following Jesus really does make things worse. I believe that sometimes we have conveyed a false gospel. We have told people that following Jesus is a bed of roses. We have told people that following Jesus is easy. We have told people that following Jesus is a piece of cake. But listen, my friends, that's not true. As a matter of fact, that's not even the gospel. Following Jesus is not always easy. Following Jesus is not always a piece of cake. Following Jesus... It is not always uh, 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 is, is easy. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you have to make those hard decisions. Following Jesus is not always easy. And sometimes, my friends, I would suggest that following Jesus sometimes makes things worse. Do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. I came to bring division." You see, Jesus is not saying he's coming to bring literal division on earth, but Jesus is saying that my message and my gospel will bring division in the hearts of people. It will divide people. You see, sometimes it makes it worse. Sometimes following Jesus makes it worse. And listen, we are, we are at this text, this text in chapter 9 of Mark, where the Bible says a father had a son. And this father, of course, is very concerned about his son. And the Bible says that this son has a spirit, a deaf and dumb spirit. And the father is very concerned about this child. As a matter of fact, the father is so concerned about the child that the father does what a father will do. The father takes him to get help. Because that's what fathers do when you see your children in distress, when you see your children perplexed, when you see your children in a rough time, fathers and mothers will do their very best to fix the situation. That's our heart. And this is exactly what the father did. The father is so perplexed. The father is so grieved that the father takes his son to the disciples. And the father asked the disciples to cast the demon out of the child. But as we read the scriptures this morning, we found out that the disciples did not have the ability to cast the demon out of the child. The disciples were helpless. The disciples didn't have the ability to cast it out. And so therefore the father was disappointed that the disciples could not cast the spirit out of the child. You see, sometimes following Jesus makes things worse. 
You see, this, this, this father was, was going to the disciples. The disciples are followers of Jesus. The disciples should have had the power to cast the demon out, but the disciples did not have the power. And sometimes following Jesus disappoints us. But as you read the story, as you look at the story, you'll find, a, you'll find an outcome that is amazing. There are a few things that I want you to see about this story this morning. Number one, the very first thing that I want you to see about the story is that the problem was with the son. The problem was not with the father, but the problem was with the son. And I think that this is important for me to emphasize this morning because sometimes in life you will have problems that will affect you, but those problems are from someone else. How many would agree with me that some of the problems that you are involved with, some of the problems that you are engaged with are not necessarily your problems, but the problems of someone else. Someone you love might have a problem and that problem will affect you. I believe that every one of us can testify to the fact that we can love someone so deep that their problems become our problems. Their crisis becomes our character. You see, anytime you love somebody deeply, their problems become your problems. And that's exactly what's happening in this story this morning. This father who loves his child very deeply, the problem of the child became the problem of the father because that what, that's what happens in life. You see, the problems of people that we love becomes our problems. Listen, if I just have to deal with my problems, I'm okay. But it's the problems of everybody else that we got to deal with. And you see, God gives you the grace to deal with it. God gives you the ability and the resources to deal with problems. Sometimes, you see, we don't know how to respond to problems. Sometimes we overreact to problems. Sometimes we don't know how to respond correctly to problems. And here in the story, the father responded correctly to the problem. What does he do? He goes to the disciples and he asks the disciples to deal with this problem, to cast the demon out of the child. So number one, the the problem was with the son. And what I want you to see with that point is this, is that sometimes the people that you love, their problems become your problems. Their crisis becomes your character. Number two, I want you to see in this story that this was a chronic problem. This wasn't just a, uh, a, a, you know, a few day problem. This wasn't a few hours. This was a chronic problem. The Bible says in verse number 21 that the father answered and said to Jesus that this had been happening since a child, since a child. So this was an ongoing problem. This was not a problem that just happened for a few hours or a few days, but this was a problem that happened ever since this boy was a child. In other words, my friends, sometimes you will inherit problems that you did not create. You see, this child did not create this problem. This child did not do something for this to happen to him. This is a child, and this child is severely perplexed by demons. There is nothing that this child did to cause this. And there are times in our life that you will inherit problems that you did not create. And you've got to learn how to respond to the problems that you did not create. You see, this child inherited a problem 
problem that he did not create. How many would testify with the preacher that there are things in my life that I did not create, but I inherited those problems. And here with this child, he inherited a problem that he did not create. He did not create. You see, there's many speculations of how this child became demon-possessed. What was the cause of this child's demon possession? I'm not here to try to infer upon the text of how this child got demon-possessed and how this child severely was perplexed by demons. That's not what my message is about this morning. What I want you to see is that sometimes following Jesus, things get worse. It wasn't getting better here. This man is so perplexed. That he goes to Jesus and says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever wanted to believe God so much, but at the same time you are pulled on the other side? There's a little bit of unbelief. There's this belief and unbelief. There's a tension between belief and unbelief. And let me just remind you that if you feel that struggle this morning, if you feel the tension between belief and unbelief, that doesn't mean that you did something wrong. It doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. It means that you are human. It means that as a human, we struggle with the soulish realm of our, our, our humanity. We struggle with our emotions. We struggle with our minds and our will and our emotions. And sometimes as a human, we struggle with that to believe God. Can you imagine this person? Can you imagine this father who loved his child so much? And year after year, he saw his child demon possessed. Year after year, the Bible says that this was so severe that he would foam at the mouth. He would, he would convulse. He would fall on the floor. And the Bible even says at times, this child would fall into the fire. This is a chronic problem. This is a severe problem. And the father is so grieved over it. Can you imagine seeing your own child fall on the floor, convulsing with demons, foaming at the mouth, falling into the fire and this father is so grieved and so perplexed he had spent everything he known to do he has spent everything all of his money he spent uh, to go into doctors trying to figure out what is wrong with his child and nobody could help him and he goes to the disciples his last resort and they couldn't even help him out they were unwilling to help him that they didn't have the resource they didn't have the power to cast it out and here is his father so disappointed You see, number one, the problem was with the son. And sometimes you will love someone so deeply that their problems become your problems. Their crisis becomes your character. Number two, the problem was chronic. This was a child that somehow inherited a a, a sickness that, that was caused by demons. It wasn't something that this child did. It was inherited. And sometimes in life you inherit problems that you never created. And number three... The son's healing was connected to the faith of the father. Isn't this interesting? The, the, the son's faith, the son's healing was connected to the faith of the father. I want you to see this in verse number 24. Uh, Luke chapter 8, verse number 24. And I want you to see what's happening here. Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 9, verse number 24. I want you to see this. Uh, excuse me, I messed up here. Mark chapter 9. Verse 24, I want you to see verse number 24, and I want you to see the statement here. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, do you see the desperation of this father? Lord, I believe, but help my 
unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, death and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. And this is what was, this was what was illuminated to me as I read the scripture. I had never seen this before, but as I was reading it, I saw something that I never saw before. Here is his father. The Bible says, this is, this is exactly what the Bible says. Verse number 24, immediately the, verse number 23, Jesus said, if you believe all things are possible. Now get this. Jesus said to the man, the man, the father, the father who is perplexed, the father who is grieved over his son, who is perplexed by demons. Jesus said to the man, do you believe that with God, all things are possible? Do you believe it? And listen, the Bible says in verse 23, the man said with tears in his eyes, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now get this, verse 25, Jesus saw the people, he rebuked the people, and then he said to the child with the demon, he told the demon to come out of the child. Get this, nowhere in this passage, nowhere in this narrative did the man have perfect faith. Hallelujah. Jesus said, do you believe? And the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And Jesus just made the statement that if you believe, all things are possible. And the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And the next verse is, Jesus cast the demon out of the child. So this scripture, this narrative clearly proves to us that you don't always have to have perfect faith in order for God to move in your life. Sometimes our faith is messy and God has the ability to move right in our messy faith. Hallelujah. This man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. And sometimes, listen, I grew up in church all my life. And sometimes we convey that you got to believe God perfectly. You got to have all the ducks in the row. You got to pray the same. You got to pray the prayers with fervency. You got to say the right words. And if you do all of this, that God will answer you. But my friends, this man, this father who is perplexed, this man who is disheartened, this man had tears in his eyes. Jesus said, do you believe? And the man said, Lord, I believe, but I'm struggling with my my unbelief and Jesus delivered his little boy anyway because sometimes faith is messy and God knows how to work in our messy faith. You don't have to have perfect faith. Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you can say into the mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith, he shall have them. You see, the son's healing was connected to the Father's faith. And there are times in your life that you're going to have to believe for someone else. You're going to have to stand in the gap for someone else. You're going to have to believe for them because maybe they can't believe for themselves. This child who was convulsing, this child who was tormented by demons could not believe for himself. The Father believed for him. I'm asking you, my friends, who are you believing for today? Who are you staying in the gap for today? Would I'm asking you today, would you grow in your prayer life? 
Would you grow in your prayer life? And, and let's change our perspective. Instead of always praying about my needs and what I want and my needs and my enemies, sometimes we pray about everything we need and we want and how the Lord needs to work in our life. That's all good and fine. But I believe there comes a time in your progression in God that you've got to learn how to expand your horizons in your prayer life. You've got to go a little deeper in your prayer life. You've got to grow in your prayer life. And sometimes you've got to learn how to believe God for other people who can't believe for themselves. It's easy to believe God for, for someone you love, but do you have the ability to believe God for someone that you have an issue with? That's what I talk about growth. That is growth. If you really want to know what growth is, that's what, do, do you have the ability to pray out of obedience instead of desperation. You see, sometimes we pray out of desperation instead of obedience. Are you mature enough to learn how to pray out of obedience instead of desperation? Are you in a place in your spiritual life where God has taken you to a level of maturity where you're able to pray because you love God out of a heart of obedience and you don't have to be in a place of desperation to cause you to pray. That is a mark of maturity. Do you have the ability to go to the prayer closet and pray without feeling a nudge to pray? That is a, that is a sign of spiritual maturity. Do you have the ability to tithe and give to the Lord even when things are going well in your life? That is spiritual maturity. And I have grew, grew up in this thing all my life and people know how to pray out of desperation, but do you know how to pray out of obedience? Do you have the ability to be mature in the Lord, to know how to serve God out of maturity and obedience and not out of desperation. Lots of people are praying. There's a pandemic in the world. Lots of people are praying, but you should have been praying before the pandemic. You should have been walking in spiritual maturity before it. It shouldn't have taken a pandemic to wake us up. Because true spiritually True spiritual maturity flows out of a heart of obedience, not desperation. That is why if you walk in obedience, you can sleep in the boat when the storm is raging. Jesus was sleeping in the bottom of the boat when the storm was raging. You know why he can sleep? Because he had already prayed in obedience. He didn't need to get up in desperation and fold in his hands trying to figure out what are we going to do and the ship is going to sink. No, 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 no. You can sleep in a pandemic if you know how to pray in obedience instead of desperation. Ain't nobody in this room to say amen, but I'm going to say amen myself because that's what happens. Why does it take something to make us serve God? That's immaturity. Why does it always take hardship to make us love God more? Why does it always take bad situations and crises to bring us to God? That's spiritually immaturity. We should learn how to walk with God out of obedience and learn to serve him not out of desperation, but out of obedience. Let me tell you something. You know what? This story is amazing. 
I wish I had all day to share nuggets in this story. I tell you what, when I read the Bible, sometimes I get so many nuggets, I want to get up and run around my office, and ain't nobody in the church to hear me, but I just want to run around, run down the hallway, and run down the gym, run down the long hallway, and run in the sanctuary, because the Word of God brings life to you. And one of the things that I saw in this scripture is that, now get this, the Father is perplexed. The Father has tears in his eyes. He goes to the disciples and ask the disciples to cast the demon out of the child. The Bible says the disciples could not. My other point I want to bring to you, number one, is that people will fail you. You see, the disciples should have been men of faith. You would think that if the disciples were connected to Jesus then the disciples should do the same thing that Jesus does. So logically, you would think that if the man needed help with his boy, if I went to Jesus' people, Jesus' people would do the same thing their master does. And see, that's the paradox of this story. This is the paradox, is that Disciples and people who love God will fail you. Sometimes they don't walk the talk and talk the walk. People will fail you. You see, how is it that these disciples could walk with Jesus for three years and still can't cast demons out? They were saved, but did they really experience a change? You see, these disciples hadn't yet these disciples walked with Jesus, get this, but they did not observe Jesus. They didn't participate in what Jesus did. It's possible to be around someone, contact without contamination. It, it's possible to be around with someone and they not influence you because your heart's not open to it. These disciples were all about building a kingdom. Read the scriptures. They were all about... Jesus, build in a kingdom. Set up your kingdom. Establish your kingdom. And Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is within you. It's much greater than what you see. It's not about all of that. And these disciples failed. Let me tell you something. You can never judge Jesus based upon the weaknesses of his followers. Say that with me. Don't judge Jesus based upon the weaknesses of his followers. Don't judge Jesus based on the weaknesses of his followers. Number one, people will fail you. The disciples failed the father. They could not cast it out. Number two, now, I am going to get real excited here because I want to share you something else. Now, I want you to see the progression of this story. I want you to look at verse 14. Now, go with me. Don't lose me. If you're with me, I would just stay with me as you're eating your cereal, all right? Stay with me. All right, don't lose me. Look at verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them. This is Jesus, right? And the scribes were disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed, running to him. Verse 16. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing? Verse 17. Then someone from the crowd answered and said, teacher, who was the man in the crowd? The father who has the boy that's demon-possessed. Is that correct? 
that's the man in the crowd. And why was the man in the crowd? The man was in the crowd because he's standing around listening to the scribes and elders. Now, what were scribes and elders? Scribes and elders were people of the law or people of the word of God of the Old Testament. And so here is a man sitting in the crowd with the scribes as they are discussing and disputing the law. That was very common in the Jewish world for scribes and elders to sit around and to discuss the law and dispute the law. And here is the man, the father, is standing in the crowd with the scribes and elders, the scribes as they're disputing the law. And that was a common thing that they used to do. So this is my point. This man could have been so discouraged that he left. The disciples could not cure the little boy. The man could have became so discouraged he left, but he didn't leave. And why didn't he leave? He didn't leave because he stayed at the bottom of the mountain listening to the law of God. Listen, when people fail you, you need to learn to stay where the word of God is being preached. You need to stay where the word of God is being proclaimed. You see, the disciples failed him. The disciples could not cast the demon out. The disciples didn't have the ability to cast the demon out. But the man didn't get discouraged. The man didn't leave. The man didn't run away. The man stayed at the bottom of the mountain and he heard the law being disputed. Listen, I can stay anywhere if the word of God is being preached, even when people fail me. Even when people fail me, I can deal with failed disciples if I know the word of God is being preached. And this man, this father, who was concerned about his son, who was disappointed that the disciples could not cast the demon out, did not leave but stayed at the mountain because the law was being discussed. And my friends, there are many people that will leave the church because of failed disciples, of failed people. They'll leave the church because they're disheartened and discouraged because of what people done to them. Don't let people run you away from the body of Christ. Stay if the word of God is being preached. He stayed at the mountain. Now, this is interesting. You know why this is important? Because the context is the scriptures before is the Mount of Transfiguration. The nine disciples, or excuse me, the three disciples were at the Mount of Transfiguration read the scripture. Nine disciples are at the foot of the mountain. You have nine disciples at the foot of the mountain, three disciples on the mountain with Jesus. Jesus comes down from the mountain and sees a commotion, sees the scribes talking about the law, seeing the father, seeing the son, and seeing the nine disciples. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He comes down with the three disciples. I'm just wondering could it be, could it be that maybe the disciples could not cast the demon out of the child because they first hadn't been to the mountain? Only three of them went to the mountain. Could it be that if they had went to the mountain first and been in the glory of God and communed with God, that when they came down from the mountain, they would have had the ability to cast the demon out? I think it's a great, I think it's a 
something for us to ponder because Jesus said, this kind does not come out, but by prayer and fasting. What do you think they were doing on the mountain? They were in the glory of God in prayer and in fasting. My last point is this. Well, my second point is this. The word will never fail you. That the man, the father stayed at the foot of the mountain even when he was disappointed, even when the disciples failed him. He stayed at the mountain because the scribes were discussing the law. Number three, I want you to see this, is that not all disciples are alike. There were three disciples on the mountain, nine at the foot of the mountain. Yes, people will fail you. The people at the bottom of the mountain will disappoint you. People at the bottom of the mountain will, will bring disappointment to your life, but not everybody. Not all people's alike. Just because you were hurt by one person doesn't mean the next person's going to hurt you. Just because your last marriage failed doesn't mean this marriage is going to fail. Just because that person hurt you before doesn't mean this person will hurt you. Just because that church did it that way doesn't mean this church will do it that way. Not every disciple is alike. And sometimes we put walls up in our life because when hurt comes, we put walls up and we refuse to let people in. But listen, listen to Pastor Josh. Not all disciples are alike. There may be nine at the foot of the mountain, but there's still three at the top of the mountain. Amen. What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? Have you ever thought about it? What do you do when following Jesus makes things worse? You know what you do? You stay where the word of God is being preached. You don't run away. You don't throw in the towel and quit. You stay where the word of God is is being preached because where did Jesus show up at? Jesus showed up in the crowd where the word of God was being disputed and discussed. That's where Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up where the place where the word of God is being discussed. Jesus showed up there. You know what's interesting? Not only did Jesus show up at the place where the word of God was discussed, but Jesus shows up even in our messy faith. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He shows up.